Hi, everyone. It's Dina McKay, and I'm back with a brand new episode of Black Tech Unplugged, the podcast that allows Blacks in tech to share their authentic stories with you, the listener. On each episode, the guest talks about how they got into tech, their work in the industry, and lessons they've learned during their journey. You can find full show notes for this episode on blacktechunplugged.com. Before we jump into this episode, I just have to take a moment. As a Black woman in America, times have been heavy. We've been dealing with a lot. So let me just say this. I hope everyone has been taking care of themselves. I hope that you've been doing something that fuels your spirit. We have a lot of work ahead of us, but for once, change feels possible. I know a lot of us are tired, but remember, we can rest, but don't give up. And always know that around here, Black Lives Matter. Because of everything that's going on, I completely forgot to mention Black Tech Unplugged has officially turned three. Yep, that's right. I've been doing the podcast for three years. I need to take a moment and say thank you to everyone that's been rocking with me throughout these three years. Huge thank you to everyone who's been a guest on the podcast, anyone who's helped me edit, decorate, whatever. It's all been appreciated. And of course, I have to thank all of you wonderful listeners who subscribe to the podcast listen to the episodes religiously, and share them with your friends. Y'all are the real MVP, because if you didn't listen to these episodes, they might not happen. All right, all right, all right. Let's jump into this episode, shall we? So to celebrate the end of Pride, on today's episode, I have Karen Young, who identifies as a queer Black woman in tech. Karen is an extraordinary techie based out of Chicago, and we've been following each other for a while, but to be honest, neither of us can remember where we met. But anyway, Karen has been in the industry for the past 14 years. She's helped Fortune 1000 companies build, market, and sustain products that are user-centric and based in research. Blending a background in the social sciences, advertising, product management, and diversity and inclusion management, she's able to pull items together, build a cohesive solution, and inspire teams to get it done. She has since left her corporate role to start her own business, The Professional Adult, So now not only is she helping large companies, but she's also helping artists, creatives, and small businesses. So on this episode, Karen and I talk about her experience as a product manager, how she pivoted from product management to diversity and inclusion. We talk about her own business, The Professional Adult. We also talk about what it's like being the only black woman in the office. I hope you enjoy this episode, and if you do, make sure to rate and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to this podcast. Now let's get it. Hi, everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of Black Tech Unplugged. I have Karen Young on this episode. Hey, Karen. Hi, Dina. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm excited to have you on. Oh, I'm excited to be here. So for my listeners who do not know who you are, let's start with a brief introduction. So tell us who Karen Young is. All right. Well, my name is Karen Young. I am a diversity, equity, and inclusion consultant based out of Chicago, Illinois. Um, In past lives, I was also a manager of product management for Pivotal Labs. I also have worked as a project manager for multiple advertising agencies, so yeah, I've I've lived at the intersection of diversity, inclusion, execution, product for a number of years now. And uh, 
now super excited to be able to, to finally have my own shingle out and to focus primarily on diversity inclusion and also management consulting. And we are going to touch on all of these topics during this whole episode. So everyone buckle up and get ready. So we're going to start with college. So when you were in college, what was your undergrad degree in? Well, my undergraduate degrees are in anthropology and sociology. I always like to make the joke that I like people, but from far away. <laughs> <laughs> and I totally understand that. But I want to make the connection of those were not anything in tech, technically, but those are skill sets that you could use when you got into the industry, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's, I was not technical at all. Um, yeah, I, I was, my thought was I was going to be a professor. Um, but I, I found that as I started working in product, that having a background in the social sciences was really, really helpful. Uh, it gave me the opportunity and ability to learn how to research. Like I, I knew how to ask ethnographic style questions for user research. Um, I also knew how to put disparate topics together and create something new from it. Um, and I also learned how to work in teams, especially teams that might be slightly hostile. And so all of those things were really, really helpful having a background in the social sciences when I was working as a product manager. So what was your aha moment of, okay, you studied social sciences in undergrad, but you know what? I think I'm going to take a chance and go into this tech world. Uh, it, I kind of fell into it, actually. <laughs> I kind of fell into okay. it. Um, I had graduated college and I was on my way out to Oregon to Oregon State. Um, process fell through at that time. And so at the time, my ex-husband and I were like, well, we'll move to whatever the largest city is in that area. And that was Seattle. So we packed up our lives um, from Houston, where I'm originally from and moved to Seattle, and I was just looking for any sort of work. And I got a job working for an advertising agency doing uh, digital work and also doing outdoor advertising. And so that's kind of where I started to fall into tech. Then I got a job working for a uh, software platform that built websites for dentists and orthodontists, and that was my first experience working in tech with... Um, working with clients and working with, you know, a balanced team of designers and engineers. And I absolutely fell in love. Like that, that was my jam. So ever since then, I was like, well, I'm going to be in tech. This is, this is what I'm going to do. But it really happened by kind of falling into it. And when you kind of fell into the space, did you know someone who already worked there and they kind of gave you the foot in the door or how did you really jump into there? Because I'm thinking, okay, what do you even put on your resume to get in the door? You know, I I didn't really know anyone. I it, I just I I was able to make those connections, and so and and by those connections, as in what I can offer versus what was looking what was looking for. So, what I would recommend to people who aren't in tech are to focus on the skills that are kind of considered soft skills in tech, but are really needed. Like I was really really good at being able to be organized. I was really good at being able to finish and drive through a product. I was really good at being able to get teams together and to and to push forward into getting something done. You know, learning the tech, you can definitely learn that along the way and, and it's helpful to have, but it was helpful for me to also promote all of the the soft skills that I also had that were kind of harder to do once you were in tech. 
Okay. And I asked that question because so many people always ask, well, how do I get into tech? I don't really have tech experience. But so many of my guests never started off saying I'm getting a tech degree and going straight into tech. Everyone kind of falls into it and luckily falls in love with it. So I just wanted to reiterate that point of like, yes, using your soft skills and playing those up for the role that you want. Absolutely. I I, I tell people all the time and I I sure it, it annoys some people who have, you know, strong tech backgrounds, but tech is a widget and you absolutely can teach people any widget. What, right. what people really need is the ability to, how do you work together? How do you get something done? How do you, you know, share soft power? How do you convince others to get, do what you need to do without being a bully about it? All of those skills have absolutely nothing to do with tech. And those are the skills that are the most needed in tech. Exactly. And speaking of skill sets, so I do want to switch into, so from your perspective and the different roles that you had, you've spent a lot of time in product management. And for my listeners who are not familiar with what product management is, could you give a a short description? Sure. So being a product manager is the person who, when you're on a product, um, is the one who helps to craft and shape the idea of what a product is. Um, and that's from user research, trying to figure out who wants this, what are you trying to build? Why are you trying to build it? And then you're the person who actually gets it done. So a product manager may not necessarily code. Like for example, I do not code. I am not an engineer. Um, the product manager may be a designer, maybe not, but the product manager is really, really focused on what is the business value of what is being created? Um, some people will call a product manager the CEO of the product. I really hate that term um, because being well, being a CEO denotes that you're you're driving the decision. And and I firmly believe to be a good product manager, you are a shepherd and a guide. You're not the CEO, mm-hmm. and so you're the one. You may be in the hub position where you are pulling in information, absorbing it, interpreting it, and then translating it out. But you are not the one dictating what's going on. You're, you're not driving that conversation. So I, I, I do not like calling it being the CEO of a product. I, I prefer to call it being a facilitator and being a chef. That's a great way to put it. So for me, I'm a scrum master. So usually I work with a product person or I'm in a position where I do a dual role of scrum master and product. And I definitely agree with what you say about it's not the CEO. You're basically the shepherd and you kind of like lead people to where they might want to go. But it's all ultimately the group and the people who are using the product that define what direction they actually want the product to take. You kind of like even I would even take it as far as being maybe like an influencer of products mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as opposed Absolutely. to CEO. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And it's, you you definitely have your hands in, you have your hands deeply in the process, but you are not the one saying, this is what we're going to do. And this is how we're going to do it. You have to be able to gently convince and guide people into what the best thing is. And you have to also be able to be willing to say, yeah, that's not going to work. Or that's not, <laughs> that's not going to be what you're actually looking for at all. Um, and, and you, you can't, you can't be dictatorial about that. Exactly. And from a product manager, product management perspective, has your experience been that each product management role is the same? Oh, absolutely not. 
<laughs> Absolutely not. Um, actually, my my role as a PM also changed from product to product. <laughs> like there, you know, I've I've worked on some products where I was really more of a coach more than anything else. Um, okay. I've worked on products where I was definitely deep in the weeds. Um, and it, it just it kind of depends on what what the product needs. And and to be a good product manager, you need to be able to be insightful and flexible and be able to speak to what the product needs and not what you want it to do. I was talking to some coworkers of mine, Ty and Chavez, they were on the product side. And one of the best conversations I ever had with them was how product management is different at every single company. But I never thought of it being different on every single project that you're on. Mm -hmm. You know, even even when you are building something from scratch, what's needed from you as a PM is very different than if you're in a V2 or V3 of a product. Like those are two different places to be. And so you can't apply the same the same type of work to both of those. So it, it just kind of depends. You know, that's, that's one reason why I absolutely love product managers. And yes, I am admittedly biased, but I absolutely love product managers because they have to be all things at all times. That's an interesting take on the role. We've talked about what the role is and how it's different, but if someone's looking to be in product management, what are some of the skills that you think would make a person a successful product manager? So I'm going to break this down into two things. I'm going to say what traits I think a good product manager has and then what skills a good product manager has. So I think for traits for a good product manager, I think you have to be insatiably curious, almost to the Mm. point of being nosy. Um, And and you have to be that person who, who asks, why is this the way that it is? And can we make this better? Um, that also leads into talking about diversity and saying, you know, who are we, who are we not including in this conversation as we're, we're building this product? Um, you have to also be someone who is very comfortable with uncertainty and very comfortable with not knowing stuff. Um, as a product manager, it is your job to kind of figure it out. And you have teams of people who are waiting on you to help figure that out. So you have to be comfortable with that. You also have to be able to be decisive, but also flexible at the same time. Um, You can't be wishy-washy, but at the same time, when you get new information, you have to incorporate it and, and see if that changes how you actually think about what you're doing. So those are the traits that I would say you would need to be a good product manager. As for the skills, um, one thing I really liked about the last company I worked with was, you know, we really believed in the concept of a balanced team. And I think that being a product manager, you need to be balanced in that balanced team. And so what that meant was design product and engineering. So you don't have to necessarily be a full designer, but you have to be familiar. So I would say, learn the basics of things like sketch, learn the basics of prototyping software, Learn the basics of design systems thinking. Learn user-centered design. Um, Again, you don't have to be fluent, but I would definitely say be conversational. And the same is true on the uh, engineering side. You do not have to code, but you have to know enough about architecture. You have to know enough about 
why the engineers are making the choices that they make and how to ask the right questions of why they're making these choices so that you're not getting steamrolled or so that you you can have these conversations effectively. I would also say on the business side, you have to know how to determine what is successful or not. Um, mm-hmm. And so here we're talking about metrics and analytics. And, and you don't necessarily have to know like Tableau or R or any of those things. Helpful if you do. Um, but you do have to know how you can measure success or failure in your products and how you can measure that over time and then how you can translate that out to your client, to your business units, to the board, whomever you're talking to. So I think that having working knowledge of all three of those skill sets are great skills to have as a product person, but having the traits of a product manager, I think are just as, or maybe even more important. And Karen, that is a great answer. I love how you broke that down. And hopefully anyone who's looking to get into product management or anyone who's in product management and maybe doesn't know what direction to go, I think that answer will help them a lot. I mean, even I'm about to go look up some of that stuff so I can be a better product on my project. Again, again, it it boils down to being like super nosy. Like it, 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 Mm -hmm. like you have to be that kind of curious where you're like, I don't know, like, how does that work? Like, talk, talk to me about that. I've, I've worked with product managers who literally pulled engineers aside and were like, I want to learn how to, I want to learn how to use JavaScript just so I can better understand this product. Like uh, to Mm -hmm. me, those, those, those are the coolest things to hear as a product manager. That's good to know. And another thing that you mentioned was the inclusion part of it. And I'm going to use a very basic example. So you're going to have to forgive me, but a very basic inclusion example of tech to me is like when you're using the motion uh, censored hand washes, right? So for a black person, usually that doesn't work successfully. Sometimes I would say a majority of the time, but the whole idea of inclusion and influencing your product work, how do you keep that in mind? Or what are some specific examples you've experienced that you can share with my listeners? So, so some of this, I'm, I am thankful that I have the background in anthropology and sociology because it does train you to, to think about who is and who isn't in the conversation. Um, I will admit that sometimes being in tech, you become, I won't say lazy, but it, it becomes a little less top of mind. And so I've, I've been trying to be much more vocal about remembering these things again. Um, I think that the, the motion sensor is actually a fantastic example um, and as, as a, a, a darker black person, that, that's definitely one I bring up frequently where it's like, Hey, you, who's, who's building this? Um, mm-hmm. one example is we were working for a credit card company and as we were building this, we realized that a lot of people who would be applying for this credit card company were using the website and the website just wasn't accessible. And we didn't even really think about accessibility until we had one of our our engineers come through and was like, you know, this isn't designed for like screen readers. And then this isn't set up for people who who need those services. And so we actually had to go back and do a lot of reconfiguring. And so now as I think about any of the the products that I work on, even in, including kind of the work that I do with diversity and inclusion, um, how do you make sure that everyone can get access to what you're building? And I think even the latest example is, I don't know if you ever saw, Twitter was having a discussion, I think it was this past week or so, about 
people who are disabled being able to access and use Twitter. And basically what they said was Jack said that they have people who are volunteering their time to look into that. So it made it sound like basically it's not a priority, but yes. there's so many different people and facets to life. Now we have to account for everyone. If you don't account yeah. for everyone, you're excluding someone and that doesn't feel good. Does it feel good to that particular subset of people? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, you know, this is, it's kind of a, a secondary benefit of inclusion um, is seeing how people interact with your product, especially in ways that you did not expect can literally drive you to create new features that if you're, if you're building something like, for example, if you are building a, a flow for an app and you find that, um, there are folks who need to like enlarge, like enlarge the, the text sizes for, you know, visual aids. And you find that, that that kind of messes up the flow or that that changes the flow. Then as a product person, you can now look at that and go, well, hmm, if we're going to be inclusive to as many people as possible, we may want to really reconsider the flow itself. And do we need all of these items in this flow? And so now, boom, you've now completely added and removed new features, made your product better. And you've made it more inclusive. Hey, everyone. I want to tell you about a new mentorship program connecting Black engineers, product managers, and founders with 100 of the tech industry's top leaders. The platform is called Plato. You can sign up for free and you can meet weekly with a mentor and a group of your peers. So go visit PlatoHQ.com and click on Plato for Inclusion. You can check out the show notes for additional information. Now, let's get back to the show. And so continuing on at your, with your journey. So at one point you were a product management manager and you were the diversity inclusion program manager at one of your positions, correct? Yes. So how did that happen? Was that a dual role or was it something that you were a product manager and then you took on being the head of diversity and inclusion? So the the answer is C, all of the above. So I, I was a... (laughs) I, I was a manager and I had uh, six reports at the time. Um, mm-hmm. A position opened up, actually budget opened up for a, a position on uh, the diversity and inclusion team at the company. And I, you know, put together a proposal for the position and got it, but there was still overlap. I still had the reports and was still kind of working through stuff. So for a number of months, I was actually doing both at the same time. Um, it was a lot. <laughs> and, and ultimately, um, I, I, you know, gave up, gave up the reports and moved into DNI full time. Actually really missed it, but you know, it, it, it made more sense to, to kind of make that full shift over. But yeah, before, for a time I was living in both worlds. I feel like at a lot of companies, instead of hiring someone who's just full-time diversity and inclusion, they usually hire someone who's already in-house and passionate about it. Since you've experienced it, would you recommend that? I'm going to say a qualified yes. And it's a qualified okay. yes because I, I don't normally, I wouldn't normally recommend just hiring somebody who's passionate about it. Um, I mm-hmm. would recommend someone who is passionate about it, who is also committed to doing the the work and the training around it. And also if that person has, a supportive team around them to give them the ability and space to kind of grow and work into what that means. Um, 
again, I was incredibly fortunate to be in an environment where I had those things. Um, I was also super fortunate that having a product background, I treated moving into DNI like building a new product. Um, so I, I was able to kind of take a lot of those skill sets and apply them to what I wanted to do as part of a career change. But I would say that in most cases, just hiring someone who's passionate about it could not not set them up for success unless the organization is actively willing to support and to help that person in that transition. Okay. And next role after that was a senior diversity and inclusion analyst. So you basically made that role shift from product management to diversity and inclusion. Why the role shift? What was it about diversity and inclusion that was drawing you to focus solely on that? A couple of reasons. One, I, I was starting to get burnt out on product. Um, mm. You know, one, one of the bad things about product is that it can sometimes feel a little bit like Groundhog Day. We're just kind of building <laughs> the same thing over and over again. Mm. And I also kind of got tired of being the only Black person in the room. Like within within my company, within my office anyway, um, I was the only Black woman in the entire office, the entire three-ish years I was on the floor. Um, I was the only Black woman. There were only three Black people in the office at all. And so, you know, after a while, I was like, you know, this this stinks and I don't want to do this anymore. And so instead of what a lot of people do, and frankly, I do not blame folks at all. They're like, I'm just, I'm, I'm leaving the industry or I don't want to do this anymore. I was like, well, and I, I thought about that quite a bit. Um, what I thought was, well, maybe, maybe I can help to affect change by working on the DEI side and, and maybe, maybe that could help. And so that's, that's what was kind of the catalyst for me moving over full-time into diversity and inclusion. So, you know, we have to talk about being the only black woman in a, in a tech workspace. How was that for you? Like you said, a lot of times that's when, especially black women, leave the tech industry. Did you ever feel like, man, can I at least find one other person that can relate to what I'm going through, especially from a role perspective? Or did you have an external network that was kind of helping you navigate that I, I was fortunate to be able to reach out to other folks within the company from other offices. Um, and that's, that's kind of where I got my solace from. It's like I reached out to folks in our Atlanta office, our DC office, our San Francisco, New York offices. And those, those are the people that helped sustain me. Um, cause it sure wasn't in the Chicago office. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that, that's kind of really what, what sustained me. And it was, you know, as I continue to work in the field, you know, getting to know some other black female product managers, but it's we're we're a rare group. We're just a really, really rare group. And it becomes incredibly frustrating after a while. Like like there are there are tons of black men who are in product and it's great, but there just aren't a lot of black women and and it's hard. And there are times that I think maybe maybe I should not have left. You know, maybe maybe I could have done just as much good continuing to stay in product and continue to be a representative. But then there, mm-hmm. there just comes a point in time where it's like, it's just not healthy for me anymore. <laughs> right. And so I just, when I go to different conferences or different meetups, that's usually one of the first things people say, as, especially being a black woman is I'm the only one in the room all the time. I'm the only one, you know, at this company and how do I 
not feel what I feel. And let me tell you what we feel is we feel alone. Sometimes we feel, am I even in the right place? Like, why am I here? And it's a natural reaction. First off, let's just say that because a lot of people think that it's not a natural reaction. It's a natural reaction. If you don't see other people that look like you, you don't feel like this is really the place that is welcoming to you. So for you, did you have like outside organizations that you participated in and that you could recommend for some of my listeners who might be feeling the same thing? Yeah, you're absolutely right that it's really hard. It's really hard to feel welcome and part of a space if you just don't see anyone like you. Like there are certain there are certain nuances and certain ways of approaching things that you just need another black woman to work with. Like you, you just need those things. Um, going to Afrotech was actually incredibly healing for me. Being a part of the uh, Blacks in Tech Slack group has been helpful. Being a part of the Black Product Manager Slack group has been incredibly helpful. Um, there is a Chicago diversity um, Slack channel that's been really helpful. I spent a lot of time on Slack, as you can tell. Um, <laughs> I, all, all of those things have been helpful just to be in a space where there are other people like you sharing those same experiences. Awesome. And I hope my listeners take a moment and go check out those resources because at this point, we have to know we're not alone. There are resources yeah. out there. And let's not let anyone else run us out of this tech industry. <laughs> Exactly. It, we are we are so needed, and you know if we if we are going to be consumers and participants in technology, then we absolutely need to be part of building technology. Exactly. I do want to touch on your diversity and inclusion role a little bit more. What are some of the things that you've learned when you took on those roles? I think the biggest thing that I learned is. Change is slower. Change is slower than it needs to be, <laughs> and and that and that people will will put time and effort into something that they feel is worthy of putting time and effort into. I've also been incredibly happy and delighted to see that yes, there are companies that are taking things more seriously and are looking to really build in inclusivity. Um, but a lot of companies are just so paralyzed in what to do that they end up either flailing about or not doing anything at all. And I've just been, I've been kind of disappointed, actually. I've been kind of disappointed. Um, you know, it, people are very quick to like come up with the latest cloud solution or come, we're talking about a new programming language or there's a new design philosophy or there's, you know, the 4,000th flavor of agile. Um, but, but people just really kind of aren't thinking about diversity. And so I've, I've been starting to talk about diversity more in the scope of of it being a part of the, the business model itself. Um, and that that's starting to, to help. Um, but yeah, I think I'd say that I'm, I'm just kind of shocked to see how little people actually are interested in, in putting into diversity. I feel like that was a bit of a round the way answer, but I hope I answered the question. <laughs> Yes, yes, you did. And speaking of diversity and diversity work, you've started your own company and it's called The Professional Adult. So tell my listeners about the company that you created and the impact that you hope to make. Yes, yes. So I 
I um, am the founder of The Professional Adult. It is a consultancy that focuses in two verticals, uh, one, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and that ranges all the way from, you know, teaching workshops on anti-racism and bias uh, to helping organizations build out their DI strategy um, to helping with recruiting and sourcing and pretty much wanting to be a a place where you can come and kind of get your life together when it comes to DEI. Uh, The other half of the professional adult is management consulting. And I especially want to focus on first-line managers. Um, we, We know from research that many people leave their company, not because the company itself is bad, but the experience with their manager is bad. And so I really want to focus on building out immediate managers and then also focusing on people who might be new managers. So if you are a person of color, even if you're not a person of color, and this is your first time being a manager, what are some of the things that you can do to make that transition from uh, IC into being a manager? I think that is a great service. I can't tell you how many times people are thrown into manager positions, but they don't really understand what goes into being a manager. And then that trickles down to you're managing people who you don't understand managerial styles. And that's a lot of times why people leave jobs. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, and a lot of people who are promoted into being managers from being, you know, like you're a really, really great individual contributor and you're really, you know, rocking the house in your in your position and so you get promoted into manager and no one tells you you have to learn an entirely different skill set in being a manager like mm-hmm. it's being being a product manager is very different than being a people manager and and a lot of people there there isn't a lot of training in that transition and so I, I want to help people within that transition also that's amazing and I think that's something that everyone needs. So I do have to ask, so why do it? Why start your own business? Why not do it for a corporate company or do it for someone else? I don't like to be tied down. <laughs> um, to, to be very candid, I, I, don't, I don't like to be tied down. I, I really enjoy the flexibility of being able to help as many people as possible. Um, you know, as, as with everything, if something amazing came along within an organization, you know, I... I would most certainly look at it, but I, I think that where I am right now, I, I think I'm in a really, really good spot. And frankly, the world is in a really, really good spot to be able to have those those kind of smaller interactions with, with multiple organizations. Yes, and that is so true. And Karen, just to kind of wrap up our conversation, we've talked about your career, product management, diversity and inclusion. I want to ask for my listeners who are looking for your business and some of your services, where can they contact you as well as for if you're working with companies and individuals at this point, correct? Yes. Let's just clarify what you're working with from a company perspective versus individual perspective. So from an individual perspective, um, I work, I do uh, workshops and hosting and, and training. Um, I also do more of my management consulting with individuals. Um, but with companies, I do more of the larger kind of strategic and planning work. Um, but I do both. Uh, my, my, goal is to, my goal is just to be that, that helper and be that shepherd however you need. Um, and folks can find me at 
theprofessionaladult.com. Uh, you can also email me at hello at theprofessionaladult.com. Um, I am also on all of the socials at the professional adult. I think Twitter is the profesh adult. Um, yeah, I, and you could also find me on Twitter. It's my personal one at Karen Young. Um, I am all around and I'll even occasionally post photos of my dog. <laughs> Everyone loves a good dog photo. Yeah, and I and, and my dog Nibbles is the the best. He's a rescue French bulldog, and so he's the best little goofball in the world. So I'll, I'll occasionally post photos of him too. Well, Karen, any final words that you have for my listeners that would be helpful for their career journey or if they're looking to switch to entrepreneurship like yourself? Yeah, I would say a couple of things. One, there is there is a place for you in tech. No matter who you are, no matter what your background is, there is a place for you in tech if you want one. Don't let anyone tell you that there isn't. Two, if there isn't a seat at the table, pull up a chair or, and or make your own table. Um, mm. And three, you're wanted, you're needed, you're loved. There is a community of folks who are waiting for you. Thanks for listening to episode 37, Karen Young Unplugged. I'm Dina McKay, and you can find the podcast on all social media channels under Black Tech Unplugged. And if you haven't already, please go subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to this episode. If you have a few extra minutes, make sure to leave a five-star review too. It would help me out a ton and it'll help other people find the podcast. Until next time.